So today we're starting a new talk series called Conversations with God. And over these next few Sundays, we are going to be uh, journeying through John's Gospel and really looking at what Jesus has to say to a whole range of people who are going through a whole range of different circumstances. If you could have a coffee with Jesus, I don't know where your sort of favorite place is, maybe Story Coffee or... Flotsam and Jetsam on the other side of the common, or Costa, or Cafe Nero, or as my mum likes to call it, De Nero's. Uh, I don't know why my mum does that. She says that changes every name. But if you were able to have a coffee with Jesus, like what, what would you want to say to him? What is it that's going on in your life right now that you would want to bring before him? And over these next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the people in John's Gospel who similar to us, are going through the normal stuff of life, and they bring it before Jesus. And tonight, this first conversation we're looking at is this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And the Apostle John, he tells us that Nicodemus was one of the religious leaders of the time, one of the the rulers of the Jewish council. He was a Pharisee. Uh, Often the Pharisees get a bit of a bad rap in the Bible, but here was a man wanting to do the right thing, coming to Jesus. And he was responsible for the teaching and administering of the law, the Torah, that which had been given by Moses to the people of God. He was well educated. He would have been a bright cookie. You know, he was well respected in that society. In verse 1 there, it says that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Here was someone with a, a senior position, high up. He had all the knowledge all the education, all the understanding. And yet here he comes to Jesus, confused and questioning. I read this passage and I often think, gosh, well, up until this point, it would seem like Nicodemus has got everything sewn up, everything sorted. It's like he's kind of firmly put God in his little man-made box, his rules and regulations and formulas and his religion. But in this conversation, Jesus comes and he challenges his mindset. He shakes up his worldview. He, he disrupts his way and pattern of thinking. I wonder if you've ever had those moments in life where your fundamental way of thinking about something has changed. I think the psychological scientific term for it is a paradigm shift that takes place. Our sort of normal ways of thinking, our normal patterns of doing things are suddenly changed in such a way. I think we've all experienced that on a personal level during the pandemic. I used to think that working from home was basically an excuse for a day off. Haven't we all realized that that's not quite the case anymore? Or how Zoom works. Our thinking has changed around the virtual space and how we do life in personal relationships, online, and what that looks like. So these paradigm shifts take place personally, but they also take place universally. Think about some of the things that have happened in history. Philosophically, our world is in fact round and not flat. That would have been a paradigm shift uh, for people in history. Think about the impact of technology The impact of the invention of the printing press, education, access to information wasn't just for the elite, but actually was opened up to everyone. That would have changed everything. 
the internet, mobile phones, the iPhone. Think about in science, in culture. Think about the events that have taken place in history. So many events that have created these paradigm shifts. I was amused to uh, see this little cartoon uh, that I picked up. I don't know if we can see that on screen. There's Moses. Wow, that, talk about a paradigm shift. You know, the giving of the Ten Commandments, that was a moment in history. There was a serious paradigm shift that took place. But events much closer in our own lives. This is the society that we're living in, the pandemic, the way that it's changed our, our understanding, our attitudes towards inequality, how we do community, the economy, poverty. Think about the murder of George Floyd, how that's changed our understanding of racial diversity, injustice in our society. The murder of Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa, our attitudes towards safety in society, between the sexes, how that works, and the list goes on and on and on. Climate change, the rise of mental health in our society. All of these paradigm shifts could be so confusing. Life is confusing. Our world is full of complexity. Many of us are confused. Maybe you've come tonight and you feel confused about God. Why suffering in the world? Maybe confused about seemingly unanswered prayer, about guidance, direction in your life. Maybe confused about the truth or your identity. What do we do with all of this confusion? Here we see Nicodemus, a man wanting to do the right thing. The first thing he does, perhaps the most fundamental thing that we can do, is that he brings it to Jesus. And John here says that Nicodemus, he comes at night. We're not exactly sure why John chooses to keep that piece of information in the gospel. Theologians have debated it throughout the centuries, but a few different thoughts. Perhaps Nicodemus was wanting to stay private. He didn't want his sort of public persona to get out there. Maybe he was afraid. Perhaps he was just wanting more time with Jesus. Jesus during the day was so busy, he was being followed by all the crowds, and perhaps he really wanted this conversation to take place, and so coming at night was a more opportune moment for him. Or perhaps John is actually referring to the spiritual state of where Nicodemus is at, metaphorically that he is in fact in the dark, he's lost, he's some way spiritually in the shadows. It's not particularly clear, but what it is clear is that Nicodemus is searching, he's seeking, he's intrigued, he's curious, and he's attracted to Jesus. He's seen something of what Jesus is doing, the, the, the power that Jesus has. He's heard his words, his, his proclamation of the kingdom of God. In John chapter 2, Jesus is changing water into wine. He's doing miraculous signs. And he's turning over tables in the temple. Both of these things would have been huge challenges to Nicodemus's way of thinking and understanding as to who God is. And so he comes to Jesus with this confusion, with these questions. In verse 2, he says, Rabbi, we know, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. 
For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus is respectful. He calls him rabbi. But actually Nicodemus comes to make a judgment of who Jesus is. Despite his curiosity, he has almost a misplaced confidence about what he thinks he knows. Nicodemus, I think, is all about head knowledge. And Jesus has arrived on the scene and he's just about to blow his mind. He gives a response in verse 3. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And Nicodemus is completely confused about that. But of course, he's thinking rationally. He's thinking physically. Jesus is speaking about spiritual birth, spiritual new life. And yet Nicodemus is still thinking about physical birth. He says in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. But Jesus responds again. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Of course, he's talking about baptism there. These symbols that John gives us as of the wind of the Spirit. The ruach is the word there. The breath of God. The wind blowing wherever it pleases. The water of the Spirit. The, the symbol of baptism. When we receive the Spirit of God. And he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Nicodemus is still struggling. Verse 9, he says, but how can this be? In all of his confusion, in all of his curiosity, in all of his questioning, Nicodemus is just desperate for a rational answer. He wants to have a logical reason. He wants to be able to work it all out and have it all sewn up in his head. You see, Nicodemus' way is about knowing it all. But actually, Jesus offers another way. One where, as his children, we don't need to know it all. It's actually a way of not knowing. It's a way of revelation. And this conversation leads to a revelation of heart, of what it means to be born again. That phrase is actually like, born from above, knowing the mystery of who God is and what it means to be a child of God, a new person, putting our faith, our trust in him, being led by the Holy Spirit, like a small child, not having to have everything worked out, but resting and knowing that he is in control. I don't know if you ever feel like that. Sometimes I feel like that. In life, I just sort of like a small child. It's like I want to just drop on my knees. Like, God, pick me up. Pick me up because I don't quite know what to do. I don't really know what the answers are. I don't know how to solve this issue. But I know that you do. And I put my hand in your hand. And I know that you're going to lead me and you're going to guide me. And actually, isn't that the desire of all of our hearts deep down you know, behind the masks, beneath the surface, deep, deep down in us. There's that longing to be held, 
to be picked up, to be able to trust in the one who loves us and who knows us and who has a plan for our lives. And isn't there that deepest desire in us for like a fresh start, to be able to have a new beginning, to be able to put behind us past habits, patterns of behavior, or past hurts, maybe those ways of thinking or those areas of our lives that have robbed us of the freedom or contentment or joy in our life. And I believe that's what Jesus wants to bring to each one of us. That's what he offers us. He wants us to be changed. He wants us to be transformed more and more into his likeness. And at at some point, each one of us, like Nicodemus, we have to come to the conclusion that we don't have all the answers. We can't do it all with our own understanding and our logic. We never will. However confident we are, however well educated we are, however sophisticated we are, however affluent we are or hope to be in the future. However much we try and do it in our own strength, the answers that we're searching for are ultimately found not in science or technology or politics or religion, but in a relationship with the person of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is God. He's the one who created us. And in this conversation, we see that in responding to Nicodemus, Jesus, when talking about God, he points to himself. He says in verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, who must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus in that moment is pointing to the cross, pointing to his death and his resurrection. You see, it's not through head knowledge or logic or our rationale that we come into this relationship with Jesus, but just with a childlike trust and belief in him. And in that exchange, Jesus gives us the gift of eternal life. Ultimately, it's because of what he's done, not about what we know. I love the fact that in this conversation, Jesus doesn't give him all the sort of answers. He doesn't say, oh, well, actually, this is how it works, and this is the background. And You know, Nicodemus is talking to the very creator of the world, the one who knows everything, the one who breathed everything into being. And yet he says, if you want to receive the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. And actually, he turns the conversation not about head knowledge, but around the subject of love. John 3.16, the sucker punch of John. The transition moment in this conversation where he says, it's about love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this verse perfectly captures the length, the breadth, the height, the depth in some measure of the love of God for each one of us. And it may be that you're here tonight and you're thinking, oh my goodness, like this guy, does he know nothing new? Like when I was in church, when I was a child, they told me Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me, tell me something different. But the reality is I don't think we really know it. 
something's got to go from here into our hearts to reconnect again with the love of God that is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wider. It's for the whole world. That word there talks about the cosmos, the whole universe that will one day be renewed. There's nothing higher that he wants to give us eternal life. Nothing more costly. The length that Jesus went to, to give his own life for us. Nothing deeper. Whoever we are, whatever stage, age, demographic, color, creed, whatever our past mistakes, this love is for each one of us. I often think so many people, they maybe interact with Christians or they come into church or read the Bible and actually what they think they're going to find is condemnation. But what we see here is that Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus loves you and he loves me. I think it was Amy or Ewing last week. She was saying God doesn't love in generalities. It's not like he just loves the whole world in this kind of blobby mess. He loves specifically. He knows you specifically. And I love how this conversation shifts. Again, Nicodemus has come at night. He's come in the dark. He's come to bring, as it were, judgment on Jesus. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Why is he doing the things the way that he's doing them? And yet the tables are turned. And Nicodemus finds himself, maybe along with us, maybe along with the whole of the rest of humanity. We're actually in the dock. And Jesus says, actually, this is the verdict. This is the conclusion of the conversation. Not your judgment of me, not what you think of me, but actually this is who I am. I can tell you how this plays out. He says, this is the verdict in verse 19. Light has come into the world. And whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. This moment, out of the shadows, out of the lostness, out of the darkness of his state, of his heart, of his life, he's brought in that moment into the light. Maybe you've come tonight, maybe you're here, to, I don't know, today, and you're just thinking, I... I've seen my friends, I've seen my family, I've heard something about who Jesus is, but actually it, it, it's confusing. You've got loads of questions. As Marcus has said, Alpha's a brilliant place to come to ask all of those questions. But it may be also that you're here and life is confusing. Life hasn't panned out quite as you thought it was. There's relationships that are complicated, dynamics at work that are complicated, circumstances that you're facing that are confusing and complicated. But actually what you're longing for is not necessarily more understanding, but you're longing for a deeper relationship with Jesus, to have that revelation, that understanding of what it means to be filled again with the Spirit of God, to be led and guided by Him, to be transformed, to be born again that Christmas carol, you know, isn't it? O little town of Bethlehem. It talks about be born in us today. And the beauty of this is that Jesus comes to each one of us at any moment 
any day. He's available for us. And this is the transformation that we see in Nicodemus's life. This amazing conversation that changes him. And he crops up again in John's gospel a couple of times. In John chapter 7 and then in John chapter 19. And in John chapter 7, first of all, he, he's defending Jesus before the Sanhedrin. And he, he, he's wanting to make sure that Jesus gets a fair trial. I love the fact that as, maybe as a result of this conversation, Nicodemus, his heart has changed. That he's now standing up for truth and for justice. And then in John chapter 19, I hadn't seen this, I don't think, before I was sort of looking into this this week, but Jesus is crucified. And a man called Joseph of Arimathea, perhaps a more familiar name, comes along and he asks the Roman centurion if he can take Jesus' body down from the cross. So in broad daylight, he takes him down. And who's with Joseph of Arimathea? It's Nicodemus. This man that had gone to him in the night is now in the daylight coming to, with Joseph of Arimathea to take the body of Jesus down from the cross. And you see, what's significant about that is that being a Pharisee, being one of the religious leaders, he, he wouldn't have been able to come near a dead body. That would have made him ceremonially unclean. At this time in, in Jerusalem, he wouldn't have been able to have shared in the Passover meal. But actually, he comes with Joseph of Arimathea. He takes the body. And he brings uh, 750 pounds, which is just a huge amount of spices to embalm the body. It's almost like out of his own pocket, he pays for what, what should be a royal burial. And I love the fact that this man, Nicodemus, he comes. And he's not bound anymore by his religiosity He's not bound by the formulas of what it means to be superior in this society. But he's encountered Jesus, and it's changed his life. And as he's there with Jesus' body, I just wonder how much of this conversation is whirring round in his mind. Those words that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. As Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus' body, it's like they lay the foundation stone for the resurrection. Just a few hours later, in that garden tomb, people rushing just to find the grave clothes left because Jesus has been risen from the dead. This is the one that we Worship. This is the one who is alive today. This is the one who we can encounter by the Holy Spirit, even in this place. I want to encourage us as we go on through John's gospel in these next few weeks to take time to ponder these conversations with these normal people, just like us. What would it look like for us to know this change, this transformation, being reborn? in these days.